You're listening to the Frankly Podcast. To submit a question to the podcast, go to franklypodcast.co.nz. This episode is kindly supported by the fabulous woman at Bonk Lube. Hi, my name is Jen, and this is the Frankly Podcast, and you are. <laughs> oh, I am Joe Robertson. And I am a sex therapist and I research porn and develop resources for young people and family members about porn. Cool. So what got you into that? Like what made you interested in researching porn? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it all sort of starts way back when I was a kid. I had this... I would say totally, I can't, I can't even explain why, like an, yeah, an unexplainable interest in bodies and in relationships and in sex. I just, I can't even explain what was going on there, but it's like a calling. Ironically though, I was rejected from science class because I was just useless at school. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And then, um, Me too. Yeah not a strength of mine school was not a strength but then I went on and got a master's of science so it was so it all like swings and roundabouts right (laughs) I know so yeah at the beginning it was just I just could not get enough information about those areas and then I was doing quite a lot of counseling for young people and children in trauma and abuse so talking with them about sexual trauma, um, physical trauma, violence in the home or neglect in the home, things like that. Um, And so then I was thinking about doing further study after I'd spent about five years in this trauma space. And then my mum told me to go and study sex. (laughs) Your mum was just like, do it, do it. Is that because you were just talking her ear off about it? Or? Yes. I said, I'm going to study and I don't really know what to do. And then she, I said, I think I'll do it in trauma, you know, because that's what I'm currently doing. And then she said, no, I think you need to study sex. And I said, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she replied by saying, well, you know, you talk about it all the time. (laughs) And I was totally unaware of that, but I did know that I had this curiosity that had been there my whole life. And then the other bit of advice she gave me was, which I think every young person should know, every teenager should adopt this into their own life, is that if you're going to study, and particularly if you're going to do masters and keep going like further than just a degree, then it needs to be in something you would stay up late at night reading about anyway. Yeah, your passions, your interests. Yes, I totally follow your passion. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And then I, so I went and did my master's in sex therapy and it was a master's of science in sex therapy. And part of my research was in porn because I was still kind of hanging on to this question of what makes us have sex in the way that we do. Yeah. Where do we get those ideas from? What, what makes us treat other people? Yeah. In yeah. ways, in, in our sexual encounters in particular ways. And so porn is known now to be a real primary influence in that. yeah absolutely i mean even on the surface level now you can see it if you're looking like um it's even infiltrated like makeup and fashion and obviously just media in general and language like it's really permeated our culture when i was growing up it wasn't 
as prolific. Like, it just wasn't... We had, like, there were magazines. Like, everyone knew about the magazines. Um, You know, we had the internet. But hadn't quite... Like, when I was a teenager, it hadn't quite got there yet. I never even saw porn as a teenager. Not once. Oh, really? Wow. Nope. So I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Okay. And never came across it. Nobody ever talked about it. I had tons of boyfriends. None of them ever talked about porn or showed me anything. It was not even... It was like a non-existent conversation in my life. And then I went to university and I traveled outside of Auckland to do that. I went to Hamilton and lived in halls. And that is when it all began. Not my own porn use, but definitely people talking about it. And I knew that only guys that I knew were watching it. I'm sure that there were girls too, but they didn't say. Um, And so that was the beginning. Yeah, it's true. So that was really the beginning of my social education around porn. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, I had a similar thing. It was guys who were talking about it. It wasn't it wasn't girls. Um and to some extent that still exists that stereotype that women don't want to watch porn or they're not interested in it. Um which is kind of hilarious. I think it goes along the vein of 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 the idea that women aren't um interested in actually that interested in sex. Definitely the research suggests that a lot of New Zealand women and teenagers consume porn. So there's no doubt that that's happening. There's no doubt that it is the majority, actually, of um, female teenagers who are consuming porn or have seen it. Um, But there is truth in the fact that more, I would say more women and girls um, react negatively to porn they may get aroused just because that's a really normal natural thing that happens when we see nudity. That's just the way our brains work. And so we get aroused when we see it, but probably females are looking at the female in porn and going, okay, this is not looking like particularly awesome for her and not finding that as appealing just because they're identifying more with the female character and see that she's, you know, getting hurt or not being respected, being called names, things like that. Or whether she even looks like she's actually enjoying it. The fact that you can be aroused by something that you actually don't think is okay or that you would never do in real life, that's the other thing I'd really like to touch on is the fantasy element. Just because someone's into something that they watch doesn't mean they want to do it. Absolutely, and we see that in lots of different areas. So people um, might watch same-sex pornography, for example, or trans porn, but not be attracted to trans people or actually be same-sex attracted. And so they might be heterosexual, but still watch that content and find it arousing. And the younger somebody is when they start consuming porn, the more confusing that is. And the more likely it is to kind of imprint upon them a certain sexual script and make them more inclined to experiment in that area and some of that is totally fine obviously it's it's okay to be sexually experimental um you know if you're open and you want to give a few different things a go that's all good um but it's it's different when you feel like that um it doesn't sit right with you like it doesn't align with your values or your ethics um and therefore feeling concerned confused and like a little bit torn you know that's the juxtaposition I think you're saying I just so I think that we need to normalize that that it's totally normal and okay to be aroused by something that you struggle with 
and that you know from an ethical perspective from a values perspective that you're like I just I'm not into this and that's because our brains literally work at a faster rate when we see nudity really so they tend to, yeah the, the, our, we tend to speed up which wow. means our kind of our rational brain yeah struggles it lags behind <laughs> that's and, crazy and, which means that it's harder to make a decision in that moment yeah so if somebody talked to you prior to the porn and said hey this is the porn you're going to see and this is what it's going to be like these are the behaviors these are the this is the number of people these are the cultures etc um how do you feel about that you're not seeing the nudity yet you're not being aroused and so your rational brain is still very much engaged and you would make a maybe make a different choice but because then you're in front of the nudity and being aroused the rational part of you the decision you know cognitive highly functioning cognitive part that's lagging behind right that does make sense actually yeah I mean I've definitely felt guilt over all of that because I didn't understand why yeah because it's still part of you it's not something you can just take away it's part of you is, is is what you find what turns you on what what you're attracted to and so it can be really difficult, like, realising that maybe parts of you, you know, things that you might think about when you're, like, masturbating by yourself even, like, things, like, I know a lot of women, I don't know a lot of men, I don't know, maybe it's changing, I'm not sure, but I know a lot of women who, like, have, like, scenarios that they go through when they're masturbating by themselves, um, and they just, and, and that may not be, you know, the, the storyline or whatever is happening may not actually be something that they would want to do. Um, and even as a 36-year-old, and so this must be coming through to teenagers, um, I have been in situations where my partner has assumed I would be totally into something like anal sex or anything. Like anal sex became very much on like the, what's I don't know, on the table after porn became much more prominent it became something that was considered much more mainstream and it, some people are super into it I've, I've enjoyed it on, on occasion but like it became more of a oh that's what you like you're kind of expected to be okay with versus what I, what I actually felt okay with um, so I can't imagine how much more pressure there must be when you're like 16 and trying you know and with someone and they've watched a heap of porn and so have you and so you kind of have an idea of what you what you think sex is going to be like so yeah actually I'd really love you to talk a little bit about um the performative part of that (laughs) you know it's fantasy and it's not so it's it's fantasy in that you know it's created to entertain you but people aren't just using it for fantasy they're using it for education well yeah so it's not just fantasy like I think it's it it doesn't just sit over here in this corner where we just kind of um absorb it but then we live our lives the way that we would without it that's not the way it works you know we are adopting those messages and people who consume higher rates of porn are much more likely to adopt those messages so it's fantasy that's having real world impact and therefore, it's it's fantasy plus education. True. So, Do you think it's good education? I mean, good being a, like a very subjective uh, word there. But, you know, do you think it's positive? 
I think it's high risk education. So you can mitigate some of that risk, but it's not a zero risk, it's not zero risk media consumption. So if you're watching her house renovation show, that's pretty much like a zero risk media consumption. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get Apart a drill maybe, and then like you're- Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or you're comparing yourself to the people in the show and thinking, I wish I had the money that they had, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's not having the real world impact in the same way that porn, porn is. So watching porn is media consumption, but it's also a form of sexual activity. And it's a, what I would call quite a high risk sexual activity in that it is going to have an impact on your sex life and your ideas and your attitudes, your beliefs about gender, your beliefs about race and culture and lots of different things. And so you can mitigate some of that, but you've, I think that we have to be aware that those influences exist. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we're not getting rid of it. And I, I personally think that uh, porn can be really great. Um, for me, it depends on how it's made um, and who it's made by, because uh, that's really important to me. But mm-hmm. and that they're paid well and all of that stuff. Um, so that's something that's important to me. But uh, I think the idea that people kind of go, "Oh well, just don't watch it," or tell your teenagers not to watch it, or you know, or you know, on the show saying to teenagers, "Don't watch it," I think is totally. It's just not going to happen. It's not un- unrealistic, you know. Um, it's enjoyable. It's not not enjoyable. Um, mm. There's a reason people like it. <laughs> we like being turned on. And even though you're saying it's high risk, I would have thought of it as a lower risk thing just because you're not actually in a physical danger. But you're totally right. That I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. But I would have probably thought, oh, this is actually a relatively low-risk sexual activity because you aren't going to get an STI from it unless you just <laughs> don't wash your toys or something. Like, you know, like it's very low-risk in terms of that. But you're right, it really infiltrates uh, your education and how you think about, also how you think about your partner. I mean, mm. you know? That's... Yeah, I think it... it, it, it... The temptation is to extrapolate it from physical harm. Like I get that, but in terms of research and real life, real world experiences, it actually does infiltrate that because people who consume a lot of porn are more likely to be casual about consent, right. and really? more likely to yeah, and more likely to um, coerce somebody into sex. So, do you think that's because those messages are played in porn? Right, yeah. Okay, I'm just yeah. I'm just checking. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> totally. So one in three scenes that New Zealanders of the two hundred most popular scenes that New Zealanders watched in twenty nineteen okay. had non consensual behaviour. Right. So the temptation is to is to just keep it in the media box. Like this is just something we consume. Yeah, as though it has no effect on it. Not you. the way it plays out. No. Yeah. Because people do take that on and then they are casual about consent and they're more likely to have rough sex and more likely to potentially harm the other person genitally or emotionally because they don't ask for consent. Um, you know, young girls, for example, saying, yeah, sure, let's try anal or not even saying, yeah, sure, let's try anal and then it just happening anyway, but not knowing that they need to be well lubricated or have lots of foreplay yeah. because of porn, it just looks like it slips right in there. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> and so I... I know. So it's not just media that's like passively consumed that doesn't create real world physical harm. 
Yeah. No, I, I was with someone once and he like tried to, he tried, well, he did. He just stuck a finger up there with no, no consent. Like mm. no communication, no anything. And at the time I was, I think I was like 22 or something. I was really shocked because it was not what I wanted. And also just, I was really surprised that someone would just do that without, without some sort of, I don't know. You don't. Have, I mean, you don't have to sit down and talk about it necessarily in like great detail. I actually think that it's really great when you can talk to someone about what you really like, but it's not always um, what you're going to do. Um, but yeah, I feel like there is there definitely is a way of doing things where you you're at least you know you you are asking for consent and just making their, sure they're into it, even just outside of consent, like what someone wants to happen um yeah, so yeah and we tend to have this quite binary idea of consent like consent at the beginning means yes to all of the sex that happens in that and it's so important i would say in long-term monogamous committed relationships to be consistently checking in so whether it's a casual one night stand encounter or whether it's my husband who i've been married to for you know over 11 years it's important that he and I ask each other consistently in a in a nice kind of like seductive lovely way not in like okay pause let me ask how you're doing you know I get that we want it to be fluid and exciting and stay kind of hot in the moment but that we check in with each other especially if you're going to try something new yeah it was a one night thing as well it was just Mm. not it wasn't yeah it wasn't going to happen again that's for sure you're right and that's what we're seeing from porn is that people just give things a go and think that it's going to be totally fine for the other person or in reverse somebody feeling like they have to just go along with everything their partner wants or you know that feeling like they have to be a particular kind of adventurous and it really it's really sad because you don't have to want to do all the things exactly um i'm i'm actually mentioned him a bunch of times already but um there's a guy called dan savage in seattle who you probably know of him already, but he does a, po- a sex podcast. It's like an advice column thing. Um, and he talks about being uh, giving, game, and good. So the idea is that you're GGG, but that doesn't mean you say yes to everything. It just means that you're open to new things, especially with you know with someone you've been with for a while. Like The idea is that you're open to new things, um, but you don't do things you're not comfortable doing. And... Yeah, porn is full of oral sex. And some people just aren't into it. Some people don't want to do that. Um, yeah. But I, it would be really difficult, I think, in a sexual, you know, uh, experience with someone to be like, oh, like, I'm, it's not my thing. Especially the younger you are. Like, I, mm. for me now, I can say whatever I want. Like, I have no one, like, it's fine. But when I was younger, yeah. I definitely, like, let things run further than I wanted to I always use the word should and I shouldn't say should because it wasn't should it's definitely what I wanted and what I didn't want and I just wasn't comfortable saying it yet um but yeah being able to say no or not even just no but being able to to stop or or change um or like you said revoke consent um at any stage is absolutely your right it's really hard to do I don't think anyone should underestimate how difficult it is to do. It can be scary. You can be worried that the person's going to then reject you or get angry. There's a lot of responses that you 
mm. can be really worried about. Um, but it's absolutely worth doing because it's, it's really hard when you didn't. And I have a bunch of experiences yeah. when I didn't. And they weren't terrible experiences for me, but they weren't, they weren't things I wanted to do. Mm. So, And I would say, like, from a therapy perspective, mm. what I hear from people is that they regret the times that they let their kind of personal boundaries be crossed. And mm. they would have much preferred looking back to just lose that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's... People don't, you know, <laughs> people regret letting somebody go into their personal space more than they regret just, you know, standing up to that, not standing up to that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And when you're like 14, it's really hard or, you know, whatever age, but when, you, when you're younger, it's really hard because you can be, you can feel like so intensely into this person and then suddenly they want to do something or they're like crossing your boundary or they're doing something that like you're not okay with but you like them so much and you're like you're super into them and you just yeah you feel like you'll do anything yeah you do and it can be really powerful um (laughs) but yeah I mean for me I always I've said to my daughter as well is like the biggest thing I learned was like I don't want to have sex with someone I can't talk about sex with and it's not everyone but for me I just like if I can talk about it if I and also when I was younger and I've said this to her too is like if you can't go to the pharmacy and like ask for condoms you can be embarrassed but actually go and ask for them like I feel like you may not be ready, not ready mentally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you may not be ready. Because to me, that's a sign, you know? Um, mm. And it's, you know, not the only sign. But there's so much pressure. Um, and it hasn't, you know, that hasn't changed. I believe the pressure's been around for us, you know, forever. But I do think that it's gotten probably more intense because of the expectations of, from porn. So my question would be then... Do you think do you think that people should be watching it? I mean that's really your opinion, hard to, obviously. Yeah, it's totally my opinion. Of I course. I don't I don't think it's necessary. Like I don't think that we need it. So I think it's a non-essential part of somebody's life. I think it's high risk. So if somebody is really wanting that um then I would say can you mitigate that risk by being more selective about what you watch and being selective about how much you watch and so I that's that's my kind of piece that I I I guess I really want people to take on and that's not just about the influence on you personally but the influence on society you know there's a lot of really racist things in porn yeah and in my dream world we wouldn't consume a lot of racist content because i think we've already got problems with racism yeah we don't need to (laughs) be doubling down on that no and so i guess that's this is a what we call a sociological or societal approach which is you know let's think about the ethics of what we're consuming whether that's where we get our genes from and whether they use slave labor but also the media we watch and what it says about different cultural groups so it's not just like oh it's going to harm your sex life but I I guess I want to take some 
personally take some stands around what I think is okay to see in the world and what isn't. And, you know, if we're going to make a big, you know, bluster about racism and protest on the streets, then maybe let's all be more critical about what we're watching as well. Yeah, for sure. Are there actually any um, places that you would consider, you know, I mean, I could list a bunch of stores that I think are pretty ethical. I mean, no one's perfect, but um, in terms of porn sources, I guess, for lack of a better word, do you have any that you know of that are are particularly ethically, you know, that are... Yeah, usually... Like usually the four woman category is more ethical content and that's because women tend to want to consume less violence, etc. So the four women categories are usually better. Um, or if you see something that's like um, couple having sex, like as in it doesn't have all the languaging around it, like gets thrust, you know, ravaged, like all of <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Or that stepmom. That all the... Yeah, yeah, all the ancestral content. So, yeah. um, getting getting blacked, you know, eight men, one woman, like all of the. If if people can be more intentional about not consuming that from an ethical perspective, that would be great in my books. But um, but also if you want pure pure ethical, you want to really be able to trust that it's made well with um really good robust contracts where somebody if all the performers have been kept safe and that um. You know, they're, uh, for example, being checked out to see if they are already healthy when they start on set, that, all, all that kind of stuff, then you actually have to pay for that content. Yeah, that's the only trouble here, is that a lot of teenagers won't yeah. be able to pay for it, particularly because it's on credit card or debit, and it would show on yeah. their accounts and things. Um, I will do but a little I, research to see if there's actually anything yeah. around I mean, that. audio content. Yeah, audio you... is hot, by the way. Like... <laughs> There's, and also, yeah, I've listened to some audio stuff that's really good. Yeah. Also, um, I used to write fan fiction as a teenager, and it was smarty as fuck, and it was great. But um, now there's heaps of stuff. Like there's heaps to like read. There's a lot of like there's a lot of women reading, a lot of fanfic, um, kind of stuff. A lot of like yeah, it's yeah. What's it called? I, Female erotica or something? Yeah. I would say as well <laughs> if you are struggling to masturbate with out um audio or visual stimulus mm. that's not great yeah there's so an issue. yeah there's a bit of an issue so i personally as a sex therapist i want to know that people can masturbate physiologically where they don't need to engage actually even in fantasy that they can just respond to physical touch and for that to bring them to climax shows that their body and their mind are in a really healthy place so if somebody says to me I I've had clients say this they're like every time I masturbate I use a vibrator and I listen to audio porn and it's like their routine "Mm, yeah I get it it's easy it's fast it works super quick and I totally understand that but it's probably not the best thing for your sex life in terms of being with a partner yeah I have talked to I have sorry I have heard about this as well um about uh particularly with young guys um that they that the advice has been essentially to mix up your masturbation so try not to do the same thing every time because it will make yeah. it really difficult when or if you decide to have, you know, sexual encounters with other people um, 
it'll make it really difficult to, to do that because you'll be so conditioned, your brain and your body will be so conditioned to like like one specific thing that it may be really difficult for you to have a good time with someone else, which is a real bummer. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, the idea. Even. <laughs> oh, really? It's yeah. It's called idiosyncratic masturbation. There we where go. You yeah. Where you only want the same thing, the same position, the same textures, the same smells, the same everything. Wow. Um, same yeah. visual stimulus, and it's really hard to replicate. But that absolutely happens for women too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I have definitely the same types of fantasies going on because. One of the things about masturbation that's great is it's really good for figuring out what you like before you even talk to someone else that you want to like do anything with. Because mm. then then you can help them. Because if you don't know how to, particularly if you don't have, have an orgasm or have a, you know, figure out what you like, how is someone else supposed to know? It's really tricky. <laughs> that's another person's body, you know? So, yeah, you're definitely in a, in a good spot if you can teach the other person yeah. what you like and what you you're don't. Like, this is what I um, like. This is how I like it. And then you can like yeah. go from there. You don't have to do the same thing every time. But like, it's a good start point to start at, especially with a new partner. Yeah. And this is what I my dream is, I guess, for young people is, yeah. and for my own kids, you know, yeah. that they have what I would call an organic sexual script, which mm-hmm. is they develop what they like and what they don't like and what they want based on their own experiences not what the porn industry is telling them to like and not like yeah so an organic approach would be i'm you know maybe experimental or i masturbate i explore but i do that based on my own you know personal boundaries and also my own just comfort with each partner and yeah it's it's it comes authentically from you as opposed to being exactly. imposed upon you Actually, one of the best things, and they never show this, well, I've never seen it in porn or even had anyone talk about it, is mutual masturbation. Uh, like, how beneficial that can be to you um, with a partner. Like, it's really fun, but also it really can teach you a lot about each other. Um, and, yeah. and it's surprisingly connected, even though it's not what we see all the time, you know, in movies yeah. and stuff. I don't think I've ever seen it on a movie. No. Do you mean two people masturbating yeah, next sorry. to each other? Yeah, sorry. Two people masturbating next to each other. Sorry, I should have. You're right. I need to like. I need to say what it is. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's yeah. great. And I would say people, it's really intimate, actually. Super it sounds intimate. like you're separated. But it's really intimate because it takes a lot of vulnerability. Exactly. So often the, the intercourse part is often not the part that people feel the most vulnerable in. Mm-hmm. It's in the other behaviors and all the things that they do around intercourse before it or in a, an encounter where somebody sees them really naked, something like that. Yeah, that's so true. that's where a lot of the vulnerability exists and that is therefore where we can often feel the most intimate with someone. Reason two to use Bonk Lube, condoms and dental dams. Personal lubricant and physical contraception methods go together like peanut butter and jam, or sex and consent. Condoms and dental dams are easier to use when lubricated and feel better for everyone involved. They are less likely to break and more likely to fulfill their duty of protection. Make sure you only use water-based lubes with physical contraception as oil-based ones can damage latex. Organic, New Zealand-made Bonk Lube. Love yourself.
All right, so we got some questions from some teenagers who wrote in. The first one is, um, why is sex 16 but watching porn is 18? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I guess having sex with somebody when it's, you know, protected and is consensual can be a really positive experience that's totally mm-hmm. safe and healthy. So that that is one thing. And that is, I mean, that's why it's at 16 and not 13, for example, because yeah. you're less likely to be able to authentically consent. Mm-hmm. But um, so having sex is not necessarily a really high risk behavior. But watching porn can be more high risk. Which is exactly what you are talking about before. Yeah. And that's because of the influence on the brain. So having sex with somebody also can influence you, but not necessarily in a hugely negative way. It can be really positive. It could be really lovely and great. Mm. You could have such a good time. Um, But porn influences the brain significantly. And therefore, it's recognized that as the brain is still really developing and it develops into the early 20s, that it's best if people refrain. The idea, I guess, is is that your brain is still kind of like, like some sort of Play-Doh. Still, it's still really shaping itself, and this you can do a lot more damage to it while that's happening. And so, yes. when you're older, it's a little, it's a little more robust. Then the next one is is watching porn okay, which we've kind of touched on already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so in my books, high-risk behavior, you can mitigate some of that risk, um, but I would encourage people to think about it from an ethical, societal perspective. Is yeah. what you're consuming what you want to see more of in the world? Yeah. And so not just, is this going to individually harm me as a person, but what am I actually saying is okay in the world when I like, click, follow, watch this thing? Yeah, and maybe even thinking about how you might be treating other people um, and how it might be influencing you because you may not have thought about it you know you may not be really super aware of it but just even just asking yourself well maybe the this person you know the person I'm with doesn't want to be treated like this or you know maybe it's coming from that maybe it's having more of an influence than I thought it was having um, and also maybe how much time you're spending on it because <laughs> that can vary greatly um, yeah I, yeah <laughs> I'm actually surprised we didn't get a question about that. Like, you know, am I watching too much porn? So I'm going to put that in there right now. Am I watching too much porn? (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's a good question. I would say, yeah, I would say you're watching too much porn if you feel like it's impacting your life or if other people are saying it's impacting your life Mm -hmm. or if you're distressed by the fact that you're watching that much porn. So... Mm some people are distressed that they are watching any porn and therefore they need help to stop watching porn. Right. And that's totally fine. So if you're distressed that you're watching it at all, then that's just, that's an indication of what your personal values are, what your ethics are, what Mm -hmm. your personal boundaries are. And nobody should tell you that you have to change those. So that's, it's about how distressed you are and the impact on yourself and other people. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, my and friend, if you can't without it. <laughs> yeah, that actually that's a really good no, you're right. That's a really good <laughs> signal that there's an issue. So the next one is, um, my friends want to watch porn, but I don't want to. What can I say to get out of it? Hmm. I think the first thing is knowing your why. Mm-hmm. So when we know our why, we're more easily able to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And we might actually be able to make quite a compelling argument and create some thinking for the friends yeah so figure out what your why is 
literally practice saying it out loud, like in front of the mirror. Mm. (laughs) It takes quite a lot of confidence, the ability to be assertive, to be able to say, hey, no, I'm not keen because X, Y, Z. So whether it's for personal reasons, whether it's for your sex life, for your relationship, or for ethical reasons, like I care about what's happening in the world, et cetera, then um, knowing what it is, practicing saying it out loud, and then hoping that they respect you in the process or that they begin to do some of their own critical thinking yeah but otherwise like if there's you know there's always for example porn watching in groups of friends or on sleepovers or whatever yeah and sometimes it's just a matter of getting your own phone out and doing something different yeah that's true or going to the bathroom you can stay in the space yeah exactly you can stay in the space if you feel like it's too awkward for you to leave yeah but you could just like play a game on your phone yeah just check out if you don't want to you know if you don't feel comfortable or safe confronting your friends about it um yeah but it is like any of those types of situations they're really difficult um they're tricky because you're afraid that your friends are gonna um you know make fun of you or you know shame you for what you're talking about or or say that you're not normal but um the not everyone wants to do that I don't want to do that (laughs) i know i know i had to do it when i was a when i was 16 i decided to stop drinking oh wow so as a group of friends we'd all started drinking and getting quite wasted really young yeah and i felt like alcohol had got slightly out of control in my life Mm -hmm. and we actually have quite a lot of addiction in my family and Mm -hmm. so i was more aware that potentially i was more vulnerable to that and so i decided when i was 16 to stop Mm. and i remember just having to really hold true to that and I would what would I do I would take like always I would just take like pump bottles and fill it with other kinds of juice and stuff and sometimes I would pretend and I would pretend that I was drinking and I actually wasn't depending on the friends that I was with but otherwise I had to have a lot of just annoying conversations about why I wasn't I know whenever you do something yeah whenever you do something that's like out of what's socially acceptable you know particularly in Aotearoa like with drinking that's a really uh tricky one because it's so everyone does I mean I I don't drink um and mainly it's a it's a health thing uh actually it's not because I don't enjoy it but I also have addiction through my family too so I was quite aware of that stuff um and was more cautious but yeah, everyone drinking like Raro. I don't know if Raro even exists still, but Raro and, and vodka and pump bottles and drinking in like on the tennis courts are at a cemetery. Really, really classy stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, being able to say no. Like I went to a party the other day. Um, actually, this is just a like side note. One really good way of doing it if you don't want to have that constant conversation where people are like, why, why? And then try and pick apart your decisions on things is um I just bought uh sodas like they were like uh like brown bottles so they look like beer and um no one asked me because they thought I was drinking and it was just so much easier that's what I used to do yeah it worked really well and in fact when I went to drive home at the end of the night my friends were like are you no you can't drive (laughs) you've been drinking and I was like no I have I've been sober the whole time (laughs) they're like what yeah yeah so, yeah, I guess it's coming back to that. What are you gonna? What are you? What are you gonna regret more? Are you yeah. gonna regret, you know, not doing the thing that you don't want to do? Are you gonna regret just going along with what other people want you to do? 
Yeah, because you can't unsee it either. I've never talked to an adult ever who has said, oh, I really regret, you know, sticking to my guns and not doing the things that, you know, like, yeah, like sticking nobody up for ever says is, that. Yeah. No. And I, and I, and also I think that the hardest phase to say no to your peers mm. is in your teenage years, your high school years. I think that's for the sure. hardest time, but it ends. It does. It ends. It ends. And that is a brilliant thing. It, it does end. And also it gets so much easier because you, I mean, some people are really lucky to find like their people when they're a teenager. I didn't really find that. I found a couple of people, but not lots. Um, the idea that, yeah, it's not forever. And actually the world is a really big place. And in Aotearoa, it doesn't feel like that a lot of the time. But there's a lot more people and you will find your people and you will find people you don't feel like you have to lie to or like not yeah. you know or do things you don't feel comfortable with and you can just say you know <laughs> it's yeah but it feels like a really long time and yeah. i do feel for them because i hated it i hated most of it to be fair not everyone does so did I. but i hated it hated school hated it i was yeah not a fan so yeah. some of us have a much harder like teen time than others which is yeah that's true last one is is it illegal to send a dick pic yeah, so if you are under, ooh, what's the age again? Under 16 or under 18? I think I'll it's under it 18. No, I think it's under 18. If you are under 18 mm-hmm. and you are sending nude imagery, technically that is the distribution of child sex abuse material or child pornography. In New Zealand. So I don't know if it's all the same Zealand, everywhere else. Yeah, but technically that is what it is. Um, right. You probably won't get charged. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you are doing that repeatedly, then it can also be harmful sexual behavior, like you're harming other people in the process. And so you can get referred to sexual harm services. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that you are maybe not doing something consensual and that the other person might not have consented to seeing that part of your body uh, or wanting to see you know nude imagery at all and yeah. so i think it's a, it's again like watching porn it's actually a kind of sexual behavior it's mm-hmm. a sexual activity and so then consent has to come into the picture yeah. and making sure that the other person is okay with what you're sending them because they uh, you know they might not be and it might actually be traumatic for them it might be yeah. deeply uncomfortable it might it, it might harm them yeah you can't see it which is unfortunate I wish there was lots of things no. I can't answer. I could like just mm. whip, whip out of my brain. Um, but yeah, I swear like 99%, I mean, this is just my opinion, <laughs> of um, dick pics are unsolicited, meaning like no one asked for them. I genuinely think unless someone asks you for it, then yeah. that's not, don't do it. Um, no. Also, don't do it if you don't want to. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch and of safety always- stuff around that keep your face out of the picture i was gonna say um always <laughs> keep your face out of it because uh, that's the other thing that i didn't grow up with which is good yeah uh is that the internet holds on to everything forever <laughs> and as soon as that image is there and sent to someone else even if you trusted that person you may not trust them in six months they may no. you know behave differently in a week um Think about it. Just like think about not this person that you were about to send it to, but think about the last person you had a crush on. Yeah. 
right? And then like maybe they did something shitty or you know, you or you don't feel that way about them anymore. Would you still trust them with that? Cuz it mm. they're still going to have it <laughs> after it's you true. feel differently about them. Um but yeah, I mean I have. I've definitely seen stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> I have only ever sent stuff to my husband and he was like, don't do this because I'm so, so terrified <laughs> that somebody else will see it. Just don't. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I had that thing too, where he was just like, he was like, ah, oh, I mean, he was like, it's great, but can we delete it now? Like, can we like just yeah, we'll totally. delete it all? Just make sure it's yeah. gone. So, okay. Yeah, I understand. it's okay for like three seconds, and then let's please, let's please remove. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's probably not really worth it in terms of the the amount no. of like fun you got out of it. It was not really worth it. Yeah, versus the stress. Yeah, but the other thing is, if you're any good at it, um, you know, words are great. You can, you can get a lot done yeah. with like just words. Um, we're like That's really true. complex animals you know we can you know we can actually elicit st- i mean you this you can have a smell that like turns you on yeah like and and the imagination know? is more powerful yeah. than the visual yeah. so actually it can be more arousing to somebody to use their imagination yeah i feel like we should just have a list underneath this one of of all the like awesome shit you can do that's like not porn <laughs> just you know just as like additional you know not to say that you can't watch it but you know other options are other options <laughs> yeah i mean there's yeah. a reason like um what's it called 50 shades of gray is like one of the best selling books ever i by the way think it's an incredibly problematic book so i'm going to put that out there yeah. i don't think I it's know. but that's a whole nother story so i wouldn't recommend that one but there's lots of fun stuff out there so yeah cool all right I think we're we're good, but thank you so much for t- chatting. I feel very lucky to be able to talk to people about cool shit and just open people. That's so great. Thank you for having me. Please like and subscribe to this video if you'd like to be notified when a new episode goes live.